to The Retail Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today, we're talking about how voice AI is changing the e-commerce world. And here to give us some insight on this is Ryan McInnes, Director of Marketing for Voices. So how are you doing today, Ryan? I'm great, thanks. How are you? I'm doing great. So talking about uh, voice AI, of course, you know, consumers think of the the giants uh, like Amazon and Google, but Voices is really looking to challenge those. So tell me a little bit about the product itself. Yeah, absolutely. We believe that there needed to be an independent player in the market that wasn't the likes of Amazon, Google, or Apple. And so we set out to do just that. We wanted to make it as easy as possible for companies to add voice uh, wherever they saw fit on their website, their mobile app, uh, any kind of connected experience they wanted to have. And we're learning a ton about how consumers want to use voice uh, in ways uh, that even brands didn't really think about, whether that's in-store physical kind of experience or that's exclusively uh, on a digital uh, device. So it's uh, it's been great. What are some of those things that you're learning as you go? Well, we, uh, we're learning a lot about how people actually want to shop. And one of the biggest ways is within the store, people uh, actually prefer to use their voice uh, to do a lot of things that they would do online, which is like, you know, price comparisons, uh, navigating the store, trying to learn a little bit more about the product, uh, especially if it's in grocery ingredients, kind of on the spot things when they're in a physical store that they can use their voice to just kind of check right into and ask. And then we're also learning that a lot more people are using their voice or voice assistance on mobile devices than on smart speakers. And the reason why that's good news for a lot of brands is because uh, a smart speaker is tethered to a wall and you can't take that with you. And a lot less people have them than mobile devices. So, uh, you know, a lot of people think that smart speakers are taking over the world when in reality, it's such a small part of the uh, global population. When you think about, um, you know, kind of a larger scale, uh, world in which we live, how many people have access to mobile devices. And that's kind of primarily where we're seeing on a, on a much larger scale access to, to voice assistance. So it's been really interesting just to talk to people and, and see how they're using voice, how they want to use voice. Uh, people actually overwhelmingly prefer to shop for apparel using their voice, which is very interesting. And uh, we're coming out with a research report with uh, voicebot.ai next week. Uh, and so we'll be able to uh, you know share more of those stats then. Tell me more about the voicebot. Sure. So VoiceBot Today AI is a, uh, a very large uh, you know, website publication run by Brett Kinsella. And we partnered together to basically uh, ask consumers, we're doing the heavy work for the brands, we're asking their own customers how they want to use voice to shop. Uh, you know, what are their uh, experience with, is with it today? Do they own a smart speaker? Uh, what do they use it for? Uh, if they have any hesitations in using their voice, you know, why is it with fact that there's no screen on the smart speaker, so the trust is hard to come by, or is it uh, more of a privacy issue with the uh, advent of the likes of Google Duplex and, and things like that, of AIs making phone calls on your behalf in the future? Is there a big trust factor that comes into a lot of these things? So we're actually learning that uh, you know, kind of millennials are the ones who are testing voice most. You know, anybody who's kind of in the range of 18 to 35 years old have actually used both a smart speaker and a voice assistant on a mobile device. And then obviously the next generation of people that come up, um, you know, Gen Z or whatever you'd like to call them are actually using voice primarily uh, on their phones. I have a colleague here who says that his kids don't even know what Google is because they ask Siri for everything. So uh, I think you, you'll be interested to see how it kind of all plays out versus, you know, kind of how, you know, corporations in the market is, is telling us it will. 
what are some of the, because that is interesting that it's pri- being primarily used by millennials and it's being primarily used, used in the retail space. Uh, I wonder though, what are some of the, the other industries that are absolutely ripe for this technology that just are being overlooked? Yeah, I think obviously automotive is a big one, and we've seen a lot of investments in the space. Uh, you know, Jaguar Land Rover invested in a company called Mycroft that does uh, is open source uh, voice platform, and then obviously uh, Houndify, which is you know owned by Soundhound. Uh, they've kind of done a lot of stuff with the likes of Hyundai and Mercedes-Benz and, and bringing voice to automotive. And that makes sense because that's just an extension of kind of the very uh, poor Bluetooth experience we've all come to experience in the car today. But I think uh, customer support and services you know, is another one where a lot of uh, manpower, a lot of time is taken up answering uh, you know, kind of very basic questions over chat or even over the phone that can be automated and then I think there's a lot of opportunities within, uh, you know, the finance space or financial personal banking. We've seen Bank of America come out recently with their own uh, voice assistant in their mobile app, which has gone over super well and people are becoming really receptive towards it. And then obviously healthcare, kind of checking in a lot of things that you might need, your prescription, kind of, uh, you know, next steps for an appointment that you had, just a lot of the administrative things that are much more beyond, you know, when is my coffee tomorrow morning with so-and-so or can you set a reminder? There are a lot more uh, integrated experiences within these industries that we've just kind of scratched the surface with. Yeah, there's definitely so many uses for that then. So consumers certainly have adopted this well, uh, but what roadblocks or challenges are you seeing in this adoption by the, the commercial space? Yeah, I think from a commercial standpoint, you're definitely seeing a market category being created. Um, I like to compare it a lot to when mobile phones were introduced and no one ever thought they'd see the day where they're, you know, uh, razor phone would be replaced by a touchscreen <laughs> or their beloved BlackBerry. Um, and there was definitely that, you know, really, really high, uh, you know, barrier to entry there and, and getting that next phase of adoption of what would ultimately be, you know, Apple's takeover in the smartphone market and everybody kind of uh, jumping on their back to catch up. But I think that's where we're at right now with voice, where uh, everybody's kind of doing a lot of watching and no one is doing a lot of, you know, I'm going to take this risk. and I'm going to go all in on voice because there's a lot of variables that aren't easily measured by ROI or, uh, you know, increasing, you know, bottom lines and things like that. So I think that we're still relatively early in terms of, you know, mass consumer adoption. But from a commercial standpoint, a B2B standpoint, I think that you're going to see the rest of this year and then a big part of next year be when a lot of these companies take big bets on voice and they view it as much more than a skill and, and much broad, much more broadly, like how do I use voice to interact with my customers no matter where they are? If I'm, you know, movie pass and I'm, you know, trying to get somebody to go to the movies a lot more, maybe I within the app, I can uh, have something that makes recommendations based on their preferences that's using voice so they can... Uh, ask it, you know, hey, any of the movies that I've been interested in, like, can you let me know when they come out? Or, uh, you know, do you have any ones that are in the theaters that are like this other movie that I like? It's it's a lot more, it's going to be a lot more interactive. And I think there's a ton of opportunity to come with that. It's just kind of how do you fit within uh, a lot of these retailers and brands have constrained product roadmaps, so only so many limited, only so many resources. How do you uh, build a big enough case? And ultimately, consumers are going to drive that. They're going to be the ones that come forward and say, this is the experience we demand. And in a world where brand is everything, because, 
you know, optionality has become abundant. You can really get anything you want from anywhere. The only reason why I get, you know, Nikes is because I have a brand affinity. But if, you know, just footwear was uh, a very basic function that I needed to accomplish, I probably wouldn't have uh, a ton of affinity there. So I think now you're seeing a lot more companies realize that brand is, is almost everything that they have and whoever's closest to the customer will ultimately win. You mentioned skill, skill as in the Alexa skills and being able to basically enter the space. You said that there is a, a high barrier to entry and that's, that's kind of where voices comes in, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think that the skills and the actions, which is what uh, Google home calls them or Google assistant, uh, those provide, uh, a great kind of low level, um, interaction point with customers, you can do really easy things, especially on the commerce side, like order status, reordering, uh, and obviously much broader on the assistant side, you know, timers, music, weather, all that good stuff. But in terms of actual flexibility, uh, what you can do, it's very uh, constrained in terms of the data that these brands have access to. It's uh, very minimal. A lot of the big players, Amazon and Google, actually own a lot of the uh, customer interactions that um, your customers as a brand are having uh, via this skill that you just built, which isn't ideal, obviously. And then lastly, it doesn't provide you the ability to go much uh, you know, deeper into the lives of somebody other than where they are that has an outlet in a room. And so I think that we're going to start to see people think about voice much more broadly than just what's my smart speaker strategy. It's, you know, what can I do from a voice standpoint, like H&M just voice enable the smart mirror in their stores. Now, granted, it really only does, you know, a selfie that's there's, and uh, there's a selfie and then you can ask for some outfit recommendations. Now there are only three, but it's, it's, so it's fairly minimal, but this is something they're testing out in their uh, Times Square location. And it just goes to show you that a lot more people are viewing voice as an experiential feature. It's not something that's kind of like a nice to have, or I'm going to attack this on like also like a mobile app. It's, and they're using it as a means of standing out very much how when Ikea was one of the first brands to come out with AR uh, an AR experience uh, for when Apple uh, announced that feature uh, for iOS. So I think that you're going to start to see a lot more people treat voice as something that's a lot bigger than those skills. Because even from a discoverability perspective, there are only you know so many brands that are going to have... It's almost like the home screen on your phone. How many companies of all the apps do you have or all the apps that are in the App Store, how many of them have the privilege of being on the first page of your phone? Because that is some of the most uh, you know sought-after real estate we have. And that's exactly what it's come down to with smart speakers. So it's, it's limiting in terms of discoverability and actually the opportunity that brands have to make an impact. And so they're going to look for other reasons to do that, other ways to do that. You mentioned an important point in Google and Amazon owning basically your customer information. So if you go and create this skill in those apps, you are handing some of that consumer information over to these tech giants. How can How can businesses take that power back? Yeah, I think it comes down to, uh, you know, what you value more. Is it distribution or is it brand? And uh, if you value distribution and you say, I'm a really small company and I'm not somebody who is Nike or New Balance or, you know, some some brand that, you know, is actually, you know, really prominent today, then then maybe you care a lot more about being in the, you know, nearly 100 million devices that have been sold. And that's where you want to start. But I think for companies that, you know, view Amazon as a competitor in the space, or they, 
uh, are wary of giving up that that data, uh, I think that they are going to start to look for independent solutions in the market like Voices to be able to give them uh, a voice solution that they can deploy across, you know, web, mobile, uh, IoT, whatever it might be that they're trying to connect within that shopping experience, even physical stores, kind of like I mentioned with H&M. And uh, because a big part of this is we don't know how customers want to use a voice to shop with your brand. I think a lot of people that say they figured it out are the people that are still trying to physically find a unicorn somewhere in a field because we don't have enough data because it hasn't been available to people other than if you're a big company like Amazon, Google. We don't have the data of saying, you know, um, millennials in this age range that shop at Walmart actually are using their voice, uh, you know, to buy you know, Cheetos, uh, you know, randomly, uh, you know, maybe the Cheetos is the thing that, you know, comes back to life after voice has become so integral into Walmart. But uh, it is something that we just haven't had access to the data to this point. A lot of these companies haven't had access to the data to even be able to understand uh, what they can take from these experiences they're delivering. And maybe customers are asking for a product that they don't carry, or maybe customers are asking for a product that they do carry, but the way they're asking for it isn't set up well in terms of taxonomy on the website and the slang that they use, uh, or the, you know, just kind of the abbreviated ways that somebody might ask for, you know, Jordans as opposed to Air Jordans and things like that. So, uh, the way that you talk and speak is very different than the way you type. And we've been trained for a very long time to put a certain amount of words next to each other that's going to give back the most optimal results, but it's only if it's done a certain way. And so using your voice at telling somebody what you want for your birthday is a very different experience than how we've been trained to shop. So I think a big part of owning that data gives you that insight that we haven't had before. So I'm going to put on a little bit of a cynics hat on then. So if you're saying that a lot of the data just doesn't exist yet of how people want to use uh, voice AI, then what is the value proposition for a company that's not a giant, but isn't a small mom and pop shop? It's just somebody that realizes that this is the future, but they're a little bit unsure about stepping their toe into this field. Yeah, I think the reality is, is that there's a lot, uh, lot better, a lot of more solutions out there today than there had been previously in order to test and learn a lot faster. And to your point about, you know, I'm, I'm very much, I play both sides of the fence. If you work for a voice company, it can't just all be sunshine and rainbows. You need to challenge your own thinking about saying, you know, if I'm so deep into the weeds of why voice is amazing, it's going to be hard for me to actually have an intelligent conversation and see the other side of a lot of these, uh, a lot of these points. So uh, you're absolutely right. There's a lot of people who are kind of resistant because they don't, they're like, well, if people haven't told us they wanted it, then what, what makes it? you know, appear that is the technology that's going to help uh, our brand stand out and be, and be the, the technology that takes us to that next playing field of, you know, brand stardom. But in reality, it's all of these signs that we're, we're looking at today. Voice is the most natural way to interact with something. It's something that we do every single day. One of the biggest things that people say they love about it is the fact they can do hands-free. You know, we're always trying to find things that give us back more time or save us money. Uh, you know, because naturally we're like really lazy, cheap people. And so uh, anything that helps us do that better, uh, we're going to gravitate towards, you know, between Uber, Netflix, uh, anything that's really stuck in terms of quote unquote innovation has been to adhere to one of those two things. And um, so I think that for a lot of people who are trying to figure out if, if voice is for them, it kind of comes down to understanding who your target customer is. Like I kind of mentioned earlier, given the fact that millennials 
and uh, kind of folks under 35 and 40 have been the most receptive to voice commerce. And they've been the ones who I think it's, you know, almost 60% of uh, millennials have, you know, tried shopping with their voice. Of those of those people, you have to look at the brands that you know really view that as their target audience. You know, maybe Wayfair, whose target audience is somebody in their fifties and early sixties, might not you know immediately jump to test out voice, but you know the likes of Nike, Forever Twenty One, uh, Zara, H and M, all of these brands that kind of work within that target audience as their domain should absolutely be testing and trying today because uh, sooner or later they're going to be behind. And uh, there is only going to be so many, you know, first times that people can get excited about this in terms of uh, it being available in the retailers that they love and enjoy. Right. Well, speaking of testing and trying, uh, what are some of the the products or the projects that your company is working on that uh, really exemplify this this evolution that's happening in the in the industry and in retail? Yeah, I think we're working uh, specifically the the biggest industries that we're testing and trying and working with customers today have been apparel, uh, footwear, health and beauty, and grocery. Those are the the experiments and the things that we're working on today. Because when we set out to start the company, uh, our CEO wanted to kind of be the Stripe or the Twilio for voice. We wanted to be an API-based platform that could plug it into any domain or any use case that you wanted. Uh, to deploy it. And so a lot of the people we've been talking to today have been looking for just that. They realize that it's really hard to reach consumers today. You need, really need to stand out. And a big value prop of voice that we've come across uh, since the beginning has been that searching on a mobile device is really hard today. Uh, you have a limited real estate on the mobile device itself. The search bar is really small. There's all these filters and checkboxes that you have to do on the left-hand side. And, uh, you know, based on your patience, you might, you know, kind of close out the app and just say, you know, I'm going to wait till I get home and go on my laptop uh, if the experience is poor. So a big part of uh, what we're working with these brands on is uh, actually using voice to redefine how they think about their mobile strategy. And a lot of retailers are still trying to figure out mobile, which uh, is kind of comical if you work in tech, but it makes a ton of sense given how much stuff they have to do and all of the channels that they currently communicate with today and just the limited resources that they have. And they actually have the the most pressure on them and they don't get enough credit for it. So I think that we're... Uh, it's been interesting to work with a lot of companies on how do you actually think about your digital strategy as voice being part of that as opposed to a new feature set as opposed to like i have a mobile app now i'm done with mobile it's how does voice make your mobile experience better maybe it's in the app also on web uh within the store you know any kind of maybe it's ar or vr there's going to be voice components for that so those are some of the experiments we're working with these brands on we're trying to get it to be as frictionless and as immersive as possible we also don't believe in like a super clunky voice experience where the thing just overtakes your screen and says hey why don't you use our voice assistant now it's the best thing ever we want it to be really helpful and a big part of that helpfulness as you've seen with the spotify app and even Bank of America, is the voice assistant within the context of where the user might need the most help. So in Spotify's case, it's within search. And the Bank of America app, it's within the homepage of your account because that's where you eventually want to go ahead and say, I want to check my balance. I want to be able to make this transfer. I have all these questions because you're already in uh, that experience. And that's where we're, we're seeing a lot of these brands gravitate towards as well. 
Well, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because as a consumer, of course, you work in the industry, but also you are a consumer using a lot of these voice AI technologies. Uh, What are some of the ways that you are using them now and then that you as a consumer would love to see in the future? Yeah, sure. So uh, I use it a ton for my Amazon Fire Stick. Um, that's something I have in the bedroom. It's something I'm able to use uh, while watching TV. And they actually just came out to say that uh, that Fire Stick has uh, reported numbers of half a billion uh, queries using your voice of, of people that use it, which is pretty amazing. So I definitely use it a lot for uh, media. Obviously, we've seen Comcast's X1 Xfinity remote powered by voice. I think they said 50% of Olympic searches during the Olympics uh, via um, this, the remote came from voice. People were just saying, you know, take me to Sean White or I want to watch, you know, this particular sport. And so that's kind of where I've gravitated towards, obviously, the music aspect, the weather. Uh, I'm a big sports guy, I live in Boston. So, you know, I wanted to know how the Celtics are doing when they're in the playoffs or what time they played next. Or uh, I obviously have my daily briefs with, you know, the skim and, and HBR and things like that. So I, I definitely use it for a mix of, you know, media and entertainment. I use it for a lot of the the things that you've heard it being used for the most. And then uh, even within the Amazon app, I've been, they have Alexa there. So if I'm interested in getting some more coffee and I'm feeling, you know, very treat worthy this week, maybe I'll say, Hey, I'm looking for blue bottle, you know, I'm looking for blue bottle coffee and, and just kind of skipping all of the steps that would be required to go and find blue bottle coffee within their experience. So uh, you're absolutely right. And I put myself on the spot all the time because I, I, I look at myself in the mirror every day. And it's one of those things where I said, in order for us to do the best job possible of, of helping more people use voice powered experiences, it has to be truthful. It has to be honest and it can't be something that you're trying to push as your own agenda. You have to actually work with these brands uh, in ways that they believe, they fundamentally believe that their users would be happy using uh, voice. So for us, we're, we're thinking, of course, you know, searching on a mobile device is really hard and a lot of people might want to use it, but then they think and they say, well, will somebody actually want to take out their phone you know, speak into it and, you know, use it for a way that they don't currently today. And I would say, well, then a year ago, people didn't think people would wear AirPods either. And here we are. Right, right. So I think they're going to, you know, be really surprised to see how people use it. I definitely think the interactive experiences within the physical store will become more abundant. I think, you know, Sherwin-Williams, the paint company has an AR app where you can, you know, point it at a wall and see different colors on there. Um, you know, that powered by voice, really cool. Show me darker colors, show me lighter colors, have a yellow, blue. You're able to kind of go through that experience a lot faster. And even furniture within the Wayfair experience, we've seen a lot of people request that of us being able to help. So we're kind of uh, diplomats in that sense, working with other brands to uh, see if we can come together to power that. So I 100% agree with you. It's, it's, um, it's easier to be a skeptic and I, and I love to be a skeptic because then it really challenges you to, to make sure that what you're bringing to market and the message that you're, you're, uh, you're, you're speaking about is actually you know, the one that people will say, okay, I can see that happening. I believe it. Absolutely. Well, and your example of the Sherwin-Williams app, that's not just a cool feature. That's actually solving a problem that a lot of people have. So that's, I guess, that kind of I think describes the whole industry that it's not just a cool, neat feature that companies and industries can add to their existing uh, technology or, or apps or whatever the case is. It's solving problems for the consumer. And, and you're saying that's, that's what it's all about. 
Yeah, exactly. It's like when when people start businesses today, obviously, uh, the venture capital space has never been a better time to start a company and raise money. But at the end of the day, the ones that really last are the ones that are solving problems that customers just haven't been able to you know, find solutions for for a long time. And as we talk to a lot of these brands, of course, they want to do voice. I think it's great. Somebody has pointed to them and said, you, you are the one to figure out our voice strategy. So they feel like they need to have an answer. But at the end of the day, to your point, exactly, it needs to be tied to some sort of business goal or objective, or you need to say, hey, we have really poor mobile conversions today, or our customer loyalty could really be improved beyond you know, how we do email marketing or the in-store experience. We're losing a lot of people, you know, once they get to a certain part of the store, because we use beacons and we're able to see that they, you know, really gravitate around uh, the checkout area, but the lines are too long. How do we, you know, how do we fix that? How can voice be part of that? Well, Ryan, fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for joining me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And thank you everyone for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries. Subscribe to articles, podcasts, and creative video from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk, and we'll catch you next time.